0: Hey everybody, welcome to the back room. I'm Andy Ostroy. Wow, what a week this has been. And we actually have breaking news today. I mean, literally uh, huge breaking news regarding the, the composition of the Senate. Arizona Senator Kirsten Cinema announced, uh, it was announced this morning. On Twitter, on tw- Twitter, he can't wait to get to start talking about Twitter. This guy. It took a Don't worry, party. Maddie. We're gonna do it. We're gonna do it. We're gonna get to Twitter. Uh, <laughs> no, seriously. She was. Uh, she announced that she's leaving the Democratic Party to become an independent. And, uh, um, I, you know, I guess the the reason for that is simple. The reason is that with the uh, victory that the Democrats had this week, with uh, Raphael Warnock's a special election victory. Uh, we don't need to kiss her ass anymore. So she woke up one morning and was like, wait, how can I get them to continue kissing my ass? I know I'll be an independent. So there you have it. There's an interesting interview that I started seeing clips of this morning with uh, that Jake Tapper did on CNN that uh, they teased out today and I guess going to be doing more of that on his uh uh, state of state of what's this show the state of the union also on sunday morning she basically says she, it's not going to change the way she votes it's not going to change the way she serves you know it's mainly because she doesn't feel a she won't feel a sense of obligation anymore like she did before right <laughs> i mean i don't think anyone would accuse her of demonstrating a sense of an overwhelming sense of obligation probably more about her reelection. if anything she can't get primaried by democrats if she's not a democrat pretty much uh i know ruben Gall- gallego i always get that wrong ruben gallego who's a congressman out in arizona has been flirting with the idea of running against her certainly the, the mainstream democrats want him to run against her but interesting she also said that she probably would not endorse biden anyway it's going to get interesting from uh senator cinema okay, maddie Jen, any comments on that?
1: I mean, I think it's interesting that she released this two-minute video on her three-part Twitter announcing this, and she makes a big point about how this is what Arizonans want. Yet they just elected a Democratic governor, but they want an independent senator suddenly after Warnock got elected. Yeah.
0: And pretty much rejected every Republican, every every election-denying Republican from top to bottom. Now, it's, she's a narcissist, and narcissists, you know, write this down, kids, narcissists love attention. And what is happening today in a week where there's so much news, where the Democrats are in the streets celebrating, they're their now 51 to 49. What's happening today? We're talking about Kirsten Cinema, which is exactly what she wants. It's exactly what she always wants. What a month for Donald Trump, huh? I mean, I'm really excited. I'm so excited. I can't imagine that I would have ever been this excited. And why, Jen, why am I this excited?
2: You've been jonesing for this for a long time. (laughs) Ask me
0: why I'm excited.
2: Andy, why are you so excited? Thank you,
0: Jen. I'm excited because I literally can, I I could smell the Trump indictment. I could smell it. I could actually (laughs) smell what that fine piece of paper is going to smell like. Because it's coming. Don't you feel like it's coming?
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's all lining up.
0: I mean, could this month have started out any worse for him in in that sense?
1: No, he seems to be losing every single fight that he's he's bringing to court and every other way.
0: Yeah, I mean in just this week, I think it was yesterday, the the justice department announced that it has asked a federal judge to, they're seeking uh, criminal contempt charges against him in the stolen Mar-a-Lago documents
1: case. And that's because he can't find any one of his legal counsel that will sign a document saying that he's returned all classified documents. Yeah,
0: and they already did that once, which was fraudulent in nature. Also this week, Trump Org found guilty on all 17 counts of tax fraud. Just think about that.
1: 17 counts of tax fraud. Unfortunately, as Mary Trump said yesterday on a show, that's not enough because a one and a half million dollar fine on that is just not going to really set him back. So it's bad. I mean, definitely a problem, but Mm -hmm. it isn't. He's not paying the price yet. Well,
0: as a corporate entity, as a a business that's based, built on branding and licensing, it kind of puts you know, and and seeks financing from uh, banks, it's, it's, you know, foundationally, it's it's a very critical time for that company.
1: Yeah, one clause that many uh, funding sources will have is, has the person ever been, or the company ever been convicted of fraud? And uh, now that has to be an answer of yes.
0: Yeah, and also there, you know, I, I wouldn't discount the ripple effect that this has, In New York going after Trump himself, you know, there's in terms of Trump's brand, there's the corporate brand. okay, putting your name on stuff. And then there's his brand. You know, one thing after another has occurred over the last gazillion years that knocks down this myth that he is a successful businessman, that he is rich that he is honest, that he is whatever. Your company being convicted of 17 counts of tax fraud is not a good thing for your brand, for your personal brand. So I do think there's going to be some, some uh, serious consequence there. We're also dealing with his comments recently about suspending the Constitution, overturning the election, and reinstating him as president. And you would think that uh, the Republican Party, the Patriot Party, the party of law and order, like, they would be up in arms about this. But but well, let's see what they had to say about that.
2: First, let me just say that uh, anyone seeking the presidency who thinks that the Constitution could somehow be suspended or not followed, it seems to me would have a very hard time being sworn in uh, as president of the United States.
0: That was Mitch McConnell talking about Trump, except the problem with Mitch McConnell is when he talks about Trump, he doesn't actually mention Trump's name. There's like this generic person that he's referring to. Manu, Manu Raju, who's a, an excellent reporter, congressional reporter uh, for CNN, pressed him a couple of times. You know, none of these people will say Trump's name. It's still this fear that they have of going after him directly. What a shocking outcome in the Georgia runoff. Herschel Walker, Probably one of the finest candidates the Republicans have ever put up. He lost. Shockingly, he lost. Now, this is a man who says that evolution isn't real because there are still apes. That There's uh, no such thing as climate change because we still have
1: trees. Again, it's the base. How did that guy lose? I don't want to point out something that's not good. And that is that he got 1.7 million votes. Exactly. I was getting there, many.
0: <laughs> but how did this guy lose? I mean, he am work with many police. How did he lose? But Maddie's right. That is the biggest takeaway from the Georgia runoff. We could all be dancing in the streets, celebrating. We won. We won. We got fifty-one. No, fifty. <laughs> Thank you, Kirsten. Kirsten. Kristen. What the fuck is that? What is? How do you pronounce her name? What kind of name is Kirsten Cinema? Anyway, she sounds like a porn star, right? Kirsten. What is up with Georgia? How do? How does? how many million? I mean, it just it boggles the mind that as bad as that guy was, he he came
1: that close. You had a pedophile who almost won the last time. Oh, God. That's true. Remember the words of the friend of the back room, the Raging Cajun? Stupid voters.
0: I tell you, I tell you, stupid voters. <laughs> stupid is a stupid does. Yeah. No, it's stupid voters. I, I, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, uh, I'm going to say thank you, Georgia, on some respect, but I'm not Fully patting you on the back because you almost elected a total moron. A moron who beats his wife, beats his kids, has no relationship with his kids, threatened to kill people, wanted to pay for how many abortions, then lied about it, has no experience. The biggest claim to fame this fucker has, the reason why he should be in the Senate is because 30 years ago he touched a football and was good at it. That's the guy you almost elected you got to do better than that georgia all right maddie your favorite subject (laughs) what's happening in the uh, world of twitter and uh ilhan musk today
1: uh yes well yesterday they released the very dramatic twitter files 2.0 where he brought in barry weiss to take the place of matt taibbi this time (sighs) and we discovered that twitter actually had some moderation of crazy and this apparently uh They're equating with shadow banning, (coughs) which is an actual term that does not apply to what they were doing So it was all another nothing burger Lastly, the most disturbing part of what was released was apparently Elon Musk gave Barry Weiss full access to Twitter, including all the direct messages that have been sent So we don't know what direct messages she's going to see And basically anyone who has been on Twitter for multiple years has to be concerned that their direct messages are now in the hands of Barry Weiss. And that is very concerning for anybody who's ever sent a private or what they thought was a private message.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know, (laughs) it's hard not to think that this Twitter deal that he made is going to end up being the worst, most costly. I mean, he's out there saying that, you know, hate speech is down when the New York Times is reporting it's the highest it's ever been. Like, there's just a ton of gaslighting and lying and bullshit. I mean, he's so similar to Trump. And I pointed this out to you last night, Maddie, and I tweeted it as well, that there seems to be, I see it on my Twitter feed, a a fascinating parallel between the MAGAs defending him the way they defend Trump. It's the same thing. It's like they believe his bullshit. They come after you. They attack you. It's unbelievable. That base that you mention is his base. It's Musk's base.
1: Yeah, I mean, the thing is that uh, well, <clears throat> for the first time we have someone running a social media company who is openly pro-right-wing lunatic.
0: Yeah, so it's gonna be fascinating to see how this continues to unravel. Anyway, we are going to bring out uh, momentarily our guest Jenk Ugar. Uh, he is the host and founder of online news show The Young Turks and serves as CEO of TYT. The network cites a global audience of more than 500 million monthly views and 21 billion total video views. Ugar launched The Young Turks as a talk show on Sirius Satellite Radio in 2002 and started uploading videos on YouTube in 2005. Since then, The Young Turks has become the longest-running daily stream online. He was the host of The Young Turks on Current TV which was the most popular show on the network during the channel's two-year run. Prior to Current TV, he was the host of MSNBC Live and has appeared on CNN, ABC News, This Week with George Stephanopoulos, NPR, Headline News, Fox News, and others. And he also co-founded the Justice Democrats PAC. Jenk, welcome into the back room. Thanks for having me, Andy. So one of the things we love to do here in the back room is get a, a window into people's souls. So we have two questions we ask, one at the beginning, one at the end. So the first one is... Are you a cat or dog person?
3: Yeah. So I think this will give you a little bit of a window into my life. So it's a good question. Uh, the answer is both and neither. Um, and so I've had a cat. Um, uh, I, I love dogs, um, but I don't really have time for a pet. And so as much as I like them, I don't need them and I can't have them. Mm. So, and so we, we had a cat for a while, um, there was a lot of talk from my family about how they were going to take care of it, but not really. Like I like animals so much that if they're in the house, then I take care of them, right? right? And uh, but that's why I got two kids um, and two jobs, so I'm up to here. I, I can't. Are you suggesting it,
0: when little kids say, "Oh, let's get let's, let's please get a dog. I'll I'll take care of it." Are you suggesting they're lying and they're not going to yes. do that? It's yeah, true. I, so I can vouch. for that. I don't
3: know if people know this, but kids are pathological liars.
0: <laughs> they are. There's nothing but little sociopaths. It's about time we talk about them honestly, in my opinion.
3: You no, know, that's by the way. There's a lot of truth to that.
0: Yeah, I, I don't
3: know that anybody loves their kids more than I do. <laughs> uh, but we really. Wait, you love
0: other people's kids more than they do, or you love your own? No, kids? I just no. I want to make sure. Get into I, I want to make sure of that. Um, well, speaking of kids, you—you you, so you were you were in Istanbul till you till you were eight years old. So you had a pretty rich Turkish upbringing, and and I'm sure a memory, right? You start mem- remembering things yep. at, at that age. What were you like in in Turkey? Uh, were you political? Were were you like a little political nerd at seven years old or eight years old? Or did that no, come way Turkey- later.
3: No, it didn't come way later. It came a little later when we were in America. Mm-hmm. So uh, in in Turkey, I don't remember really caring about whether it was Demiral or Ecbet. Those were the two main. Uh, I gotta tell you, in, I as I
0: obsessed over that, by the way.
3: <laughs> I mean, on Twitter, they would not <laughs> shut up about Demiral or Ecbet. That's all you see
0: that. on Twitter. That and Musk. <laughs>
3: So, um, but when I got here, I started watching, of all things, the McLaughlin Group. Um, I loved that show. Oh, my God. Yeah. And this week with David Brinkley and Meet the Press. And I started, I don't remember if I was 10 or 12, but I was really young. And I love that stuff. And that's how I got started.
0: Wasn't John McLaughlin like the most fascinating character? He was just always yelling. And I always wondered if he (laughs) did. Did he do that at home? Like, where's the milk? Like was he screaming at his wife all the time? Wait,
3: yeah. I, I brought milk.
0: The meatloaf, eight and a half out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> I, I should we have sex good. tonight or should we just watch a movie? Like, correct movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, I missed that show. They should redo that show with somebody else, like him though. Um, yeah, <clears> no, I'm ready. I, I, are you kidding me? You should, uh, I, with that impression, you you should host it. <laughs>
3: Forget yeah, this Young Turk stuff.
0: With, go back to the McLaughlin Report with Jenk Ugar. I got it. Awesome. That would be a huge success. So, Andy, uh, the, the
3: very first celebrity guest that I had on TYT was Eleanor Clift.
0: Oh, my God. The McLaughlin Group. What a crew he had. Who else was it besides yeah. Eleanor Clift? There was an African-American dude. Right? um,
3: Uh, Yeah. So there's Jack Drummond. There's Pat Buchanan. Pat Buchanan. uh, There's Bob Novak. Mm
2: -hmm,
0: Novak.
3: Uh, Was it Page, the African American? Somebody named Page? Page?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What was his name? Clarence Page? Uh, Yeah, I think you're right. Clarence Page. Yeah. No, I'm totally with you on that show. All right. So you come to the United States, and at some point, you decide, hey, I'm a Republican.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah, why that was uh, pretty much out of the gate.
0: Why'd so, you pick that uh, side?
3: Yeah, that's a great question. So there's a number of excellent reasons why uh, we picked Republican in the beginning. I want to warn people in the beginning, not at the end. Um, so uh, number one, my we partly left Turkey because back in 1978, there were actual communists in the world. And, uh, and my dad had grown up very poor in southeastern Turkey as a farmer. Uh, and he made it, he uh, got an education, became a mechanical engineer, started his own company. Uh, and my dad's the most most ethical man you'll ever meet. Uh, he, I mean, the he once got like a $40,000 check that was pretty much untraceable and returned it anyway. <laughs> I remember thinking as a kid, like, wow, man, my dad's really honest. Um, so, uh, so they, and they, he, most of the folks that worked there loved him, but there was this one communist guy and he's like, look, I'm probably going to kill you. And uh, and so that my dad does not like danger. So he's like, pack your bags. We're going to America. And that was part of the reason that we came to America. And uh, and so when the communists chase you out of a country, you're probably going to start a republic. Um, and and then he was a small business owner here. I uh, Didn't like the overregulation at the time. Um, Uh, but any i write about this in my book which is going to come out like three years from now anyway um and uh there was one other thing um the media lied to me um they made the republican party look really appealing and they never told you what the real problems were like so when i watched tv and i watched the locker room uh, group and meet the press etc uh in in the 80s i got the impression that ronald Reagan was an american hero that he was the cowboy who was going to save us and he believed in freedom and he loved this country and the democrats didn't really love it just as much as reagan did and uh and the media never told that young kid watching tv no actually reagan's a bit of a racist um and the entire republican party is based on a thing called a southern strategy and this other strategy is, hey, the Democrats passed the Civil Rights Act and Voting Rights Act. Let's go pick up the racist voters in the South. If they had told me that I, at the time, I'm Muslim, I, I wouldn't have agreed to be racist against myself. Um, and but they they protect Republicans with every fiber of their being. And I know that it, for most people listening to this, they're thinking, no, my whole life I've been told that the media is liberal. How can you say that? Well, I got news for you. Honestly, we've all been uh, brainwashed our whole lives. Mm. The media is actually very right-wing, <clears throat> especially on economic issues. The,
0: it's fascinating what you're saying because I agree with you, and it's true. But the, the funny, the, the, I mean, the truth is when you stack Reagan up to today's crop of fucking crazies, hindsight, which is which is a luxury, of course. Uh, does support what we learned back then about Reagan. Because by comparison to, to you know, to, you know, Ted Cruz and, and Marjorie Taylor Greene and, and and Paul Gosar, like, Reagan was godlike and, and patriotic and whatever. And of course there were undercurrents of racism and this and that and all the things that... We Democrats didn't like about him then and and still don't, uh, you know, in terms of putting him up on that pedestal. But the, the the contextual comparison is just fascinating because I'm a diehard liberal. But, you know, if you told me I had to live with a Reagan presidency again or even a Bush presidency, I'd be like, oh, OK, that's way better than this Trump craziness that we've experienced. Like it wouldn't have revolted me in the way that, you know, you're expre- exp- expressing in terms of feeling duped by the media and like Reagan wasn't this godlike mythical figure. And, um, but it's just, you know, time sort of gives you these comparisons, you know, and it puts things in perspective a little.
3: So I think the Bush one was more complicated, but for Reagan, uh, I, you're certainly right. Uh, so just the co- context here, So when Reagan launched his uh, campaign in 1980, the very first speech he gave was in Philadelphia, Mississippi. It's a tiny town in Mississippi. And the only thing it's known for is murdering civil rights um, workers.
0: Is that the Goodman uh, murders?
3: I think it was. Mm -hmm. I I forget now who exactly got murdered there, but Mm -hmm. a couple of civil rights um, um, workers were killed in Philadelphia, Mississippi. Mm -hmm. It's literally known for nothing else. Mm He went and did his first speech there as a and then the speech was about states rights
2: mm-hmm.
3: so for people who understood the dog whistles he was basically saying to the south i'm your huckleberry mm-hmm. i'm the racist you want to vote for right mm-hmm. so but back then you had to know what philadelphia mississippi was about <laughs> you Had You to know that it was that's why he was giving the speech whereas trump would be like why am i going to go all the way over there i'll just do it in new york and i'll just tell people i don't like black people and they'll, mm-hmm. they'll know, I'm the racist, and they'll vote for me, mm-hmm. right? And that's where we are today. Uh, so in a sense, what we've done is changed the veneer, right? Uh, we've lifted the curtain and, or taken off the hood and mm-hmm. said, here we are. But on the other hand, Reagan was far more left-wing than Trump or Bush were, right? Uh, honestly, in, in some policies, Reagan was way more left-wing than current Democrats. So a prominent example is immigration, he actually did amnesty. You know, Republicans now call everything amnesty. It's it's now nowhere near amnesty. Reagan did actual amnesty. You know, I think it was what? 13 million immigrants, mm-hmm. uh, illegal immigrants, undocumented immigrants here in America. And he's like, overnight, he's like, you're now citizens, okay? So Obama would have never won the Democratic primary in 2008 if he was for the blanket amnesty that Reagan did, mm-hmm. okay? they would have called him a left-wing radical and hillary clinton would have just buried him for him being way too liberal way too progressive and 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 they would have called a radical so and i can give you about a dozen examples where reagan mm-hmm. would be to the left of demo- current democrats now why mm-hmm. it was because reagan was an open-hearted wonderful guy no it's because the country used to be so progressive and what the economic force in this country have done is they have moved the theater all the way to the right so we we didn't it was so gradual that we boiled without realizing it they moved the entire political spectrum to the massively right wing so it's actually not a surprise that you get someone without a hood like donald trump because mm-hmm. the economic forces had already made the not the country itself not the population the polling indicates that the uh, the person that the that the american people agree with most is either bernie sanders or aoc Mm -hmm. and again if you're listening to this and you're used to mainstream media your head's exploding you're thinking that can't possibly be true i can show you polling that proves it beyond a shadow of a doubt okay so but washington meanwhile has moved massively right wing where reagan seems way too soft and liberal now it's because the folks who finance politics want the country to be as right-wing as humanly possible so they can get tax cuts and deregulate
0: so breaking news this morning chris kirsten cinema she's becoming an independent <laughs> she's announced <laughs> that she's leaving the democratic party she's decided that okay now they got 51 votes no one's gonna kiss my ass anymore so how are they gonna kiss my ass i'll become an independent like what what do you what do you make of this move and and this week doing it
3: yeah so look uh I'm going to be a little bah humbug here uh because people now think oh i get it cinema and mansion are are kind of bad guys even though they call themselves democrats uh and even then they if you're a lifelong democrat you cringe and you're like kind of bad guys they're not fully bad guys though republicans are fully bad guys um and uh and my thesis is that it's not just mansion and cinema it's really 80 percent of the democratic politicians and so if it wasn't Cinema and Mansion, it would have been Coons and Carper. It would have been two other Democratic senators. Whenever they need extra votes for tax cuts for the rich or deregulation, a Democrat steps up and goes, "Well, golly gee, I just realized I love the rich," and uh, and and they step up. So Cinema was doing that normal strategy, and and she, I think she was genuinely surprised. She's like, "What? I'm running the playbook. We pretend to be progressive to get the votes." And then, when we get into Congress, we, we sell out our voters to get the donors. And then, 95% of the time, the person with more money wins the election. So, I'm not a sucker. I'm just going to go please the rich. And all my Democratic colleagues are doing the same thing. Maybe they're being a little bit more subtle about it. Right. And so, then, uh, and then she went so far and so public that even Democratic voters, despite all the hype about how the moderate Democrats are the greatest thing in the world. That's what I hear in media every day. Oh, conservative Democrats are God's gift to humanity, right? And so she believed it. So she did all that stuff. And then the Democratic voters had a rebellion. They're like, no, wait a minute. I don't care what the anchors on TV are telling me. She's clearly torpedoing our entire agenda. And so is Manchin. No, I hate those guys. So it became so abundantly clear that she, in a sense, she took off the hood of serving the donor class. And, and so now the polling indicates there's a 0% chance she's going to win in a Democratic primary. So then now that the election is over, she's like, oh, okay, yeah, of course. Uh, but oh, it turns out I can't win a Republican primary either because she miscalculated. She thought it was the old Republican Party Mm -hmm. where a a conservative Democrat, oh, they love that. They're like, oh, Joe Lieberman. Oh my God, Joe Lieberman could have easily won a Republican primary back in the day. But now in order to win a Republican primary, you have to talk about how Democrats are eating babies and uh, and, uh, elections were stolen and numbers are not numbers, right? So she can't win a Republican primary either. So she thinks in her tiny little brain, Mm -hmm. I'll go the Murkowski route Mm -hmm. and I'll win like she did in Alaska as an independent. Mm -hmm. And by the way, when she goes independent, the one thing that she is calculating correctly is a lot of the press will go back to kissing her ass. Watch. Hear me now. Quote me later. You will see it with your own eyes. Mm -hmm. The press loves right wing politicians and ones that are fake and quote unquote independent when there are no such thing.
0: Well she's 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 a lightning rod and she causes drama and you know I mean I can only speak for myself but of the last two years I, I didn't hear about Carper and Coons the same way I've heard about Manchin and uh, uh, cinema in terms of uh, intransigence and, and not supporting the Biden agenda and the Democratic Party line and, you know, lining up to vote with the party. Like there is a reality to to the, the mansion and cinema factor. And, uh, but it's just an interesting thing. And, and from a timing perspective, it just seems really interesting why she made this announcement this week. So let's talk about Trump. Uh, I'm sure your favorite and my favorite subject. Um, his week, his month cannot have started off on a shittier level uh so the, i want to get your perspective on where it, it just see, it seems to me that the walls are really starting to close in on him do you do you agree
3: yes and no uh so yes as in this is the you know the third or the seventh uh, rebellion within the republican party against donald trump uh he has crushed all of the other rebellions uh, and when I talk about rebellions, I don't mean the voters; I mean the Republican Party establishment. Mm-hmm. But this one is by far the most serious challenge to Trump. And now the almost the entire uh, party establishment is united against them. More importantly, right wing media has turned uh, because media is everything. Mm-hmm. So if New York Post is savaging him and. Fox News is now ambivalent mm-hmm. right and that would Getting sound like be-
0: you're saying he's dead man walking but there's a part of me that suspects you're going to a different place in a minute
3: yes all of that is a lead up to but uh but he's still uh the prophet for Republican voters mm-hmm. he's not just a politician he's their avatar he is them he is their leader they love them with every fiber of their being mm-hmm. uh, and for a number of reasons and one of which is legitimate which is that he told the establishment to fuck off and republican voters love that mm-hmm. they love it <laughs> right they hate the establishment and that's why hillary clinton was just the most toxic candidate the democrats could have possibly put up for that crowd and more importantly, that crowd was never going to vote for Democrats anyway. But the the crowd that's adjacent to that crowd, mm-hmm. and that's where we lost the election, mm-hmm. right? So, um, so until Trump loses an actual vote within a Republican primary, I won't believe it.
0: So let me um, let me ask you this because I have this theory. Okay, you, everybody talks about the base. We joke about it here. We sing the song. It's all about the base. And, and to a big degree, it is all about the base when it comes to him and his grip on the party and the fear and the reluctance to uh, uh, condemn him or abandon him by the mainstream Republican leadership. But a base is nothing but everyone who voted for you at one point. Right. So if you, you look at like the base is everything from A to Z okay and that includes like the the surgeon in new jersey who doesn't give a shit about politics he just wants low taxes and he hated hillary trip hillary clinton to the democrats are eating babies crop okay and then everything in between you don't think that there's some part of that base from the surgeon on down the center line that was like i you know I, I mean i think we've seen it with with everything from voting for biden and all the special elections since and, and the midterms that's part of that base is just like check please i'm out of here this guy's way too crazy so that he still has a good chunk of his base but he's lost the voters that you just talked about he is losing votes no
3: so yes and no and i'm going to give you two critical numbers and then uh, reach a conclusion mm-hmm. so first uh Overall, no, he hasn't lost them. Um, so uh, 93% of Republicans voted for Trump in, in uh, to the 2020 election. And, uh, 70, and he got 74 million votes, which was a record outside of Biden's record, right? So, no, they showed up for him. They loved him. 93% is not complicated. No, the base loves Trump despite everything they saw. So you think despite if that election fact, were
0: held today... Uh -uh. Post J six, post stolen documents, post dinner with Nick Fuentes, post suspend the Constitution, post 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 post. You think he'd still get seventy four million votes?
3: Yeah, definitely. Uh, It maybe gets seventy (laughs) three million, and maybe the percentage of Republicans drops to ninety one percent rather than ninety three percent. But it ain't going to drop much lower than that. But the second number is critical. Second number is in Georgia in this midterm elections. Uh, Brian Kemp beat Herschel Walker's numbers by about eight and a half points. It's the same voters going to vote on the same day voting for the Republican governor, who is a terrible guy, but not a lunatic, uh, and deciding not to vote for Herschel Walker backed by Donald Trump because he is a lunatic. It's a bridge too far. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so that eight and a half percent is critical and might kill the Republican Party. Mm Mm-hmm. So Donald Trump hurts them a lot in general elections. Mm -hmm. That's exactly why Mitch McConnell, Rupert Murdoch, et cetera, are freaking out right now. Mm -hmm. They're not freaking out because they're all of a sudden they found a moral compunction with Donald Trump. You think McConnell and Murdoch didn't know who Trump was this entire time? Mm -hmm. No, they're freaking out because he might cost them their beloved tax cuts because he's not he's not going to win a general election. They don't Mm -hmm. mind how loathsome he is. Mm -hmm. They mind how toxic he is now in a general election. But when you turn back to primaries which is where they decide the candidate he his base still loves him desantis literally copies trump's hand motions he's just a weak carbon copy of donald trump so yes the entire establishment and most importantly right-wing media will generally support desantis and is that enough to overcome uh, the love that donald uh, trump has in, in the republican base I don't know. I have it at 50-50.
0: I've always thought if there was a moment where McConnell and McCarthy and maybe one or two other, you know, kingpins got together and held a joint press conference and said, you know what? We stuck by this man through thick and thin. We supported the this. We supported the pussy grabbing. We supported blah, 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 the mocking the disabled people. We supported all. But you know what, people? We just found out that he's a traitor. And we cannot let that happen. You people who went and fought in wars and came home injured and maimed and had relatives who died, like, this is America and that man, like, don't you think if they came out and made that statement, certainly the the pedophile, you know, pizza place people aren't going to go anywhere, but don't you think a huge, a huge chunk of just normal Republicans, because there are still normal Republicans, I talk to them, you talk to them all the time, they wouldn't be like, oh man, we, that's it. That's it for us. We're done. So DeSantis no. is our guy.
1: They've never no, done that. Andy, they
0: just no. keep they keep licking his balls, and, and and until that hap you know, stops. We're not going to get any change for them, you know, in any appreciable way. No, Andy,
3: I love the idea, uh, uh, but I I know it's not going to work. I'm positive mm-hmm. it's not going to work. McConnell is very politically savvy. He has tried several different times to say that's it. This is enough. We can't support Trump. He said it after January 6th. Right, but Trump's
0: never a been like a, like a wounded, cornered animal, in, in, you know, who who looks like dead man walking. We've not had that Trump yet. And it just yeah. may be that they need to see blood before they can g- get any kind of soul back.
3: But it wouldn't work uh, because no one in the Republican base trusts McConnell mm-hmm. or McCarthy. hmm uh, they think that they're lackeys uh, for the establishment, which by the way, is relatively true. Uh, and so they're, since those guys are dishonest and the voters, especially the Republican voters, can smell it,
2: mm-hmm.
3: they're not gonna trust them. And remember, look, we just have to think about it from a Republican perspective. They live in a completely different reality than we do. To them, Trump is the Messiah. Mm-hmm. They're not gonna vote against Jesus. And if McConnell and McCarthy tell you that, that there's something wrong with Jesus, you instantly think that there's something wrong with McConnell and McCarthy.
0: Yeah, well, look, I mean, your, your, your analogy, I think, to Jesus is, is a great one because, um, you know, that dude was put on a cross with nails through his hands, and what happened after that? And he became God, right? The worshiping mm-hmm. didn't stop. So now if orange Jesus gets indicted, it's pretty safe to assume that the base or the, the crux of that base is going to look at him the same way look at how he's been persecuted and now that the worship just increases you know
3: yeah, there's no end to it once you reach messiah level mm-hmm. uh you can't bring it back i mean look let's be honest for a second um about religion and that's the hardest thing to be honest about um so 1400 years later 1400 years after his death if you insult the prophet muhammad somebody might kill you mm-hmm. okay so once somebody becomes a prophet that mm-hmm. is locked in for literally thousands of years i remember i was in a debate and i insulted trump and i and in that debate there was uh, actual voters democrats and republicans and the republican voters nearly attacked me they couldn't believe it and because like the press thinks they attacked donald trump but they ain't, they ain't seen nothing yet I mean I told you I did a hundred loser Donald seconds I think he's the dumbest man in America I think he's pathetic
0: dumber and, than her, dumber but, than Herschel Walker come on you gotta well, get don't take one. away from Herschel Walker's <laughs> ignorance give the man his props. But
3: but but to be fair to Herschel Walker he's literally brain damaged Trump this is his natural state so I think <laughs> I think Trump was born dumber than Walker okay so uh Fair. anyway when Touché. i say things like that no they get like i they literally got out of their seats and the cops had to restrain them yeah because i was insulting their Muhammad.
0: so i i mean uh, are we so then what are you saying then are we are we just never getting rid of this guy is this is this oh, our is this our future yeah. Is our fate so there's only two
3: potential i think there are only two potential options one is um that well there's a third but the third is somehow the republican the right-wing media the politicians nobody trusts the politicians they're never going to listen to mcconnell and mccarthy etc but if fox news hosts keep saying over and over again mark levin and other radio hosts etc mm. they all start saying desantis better trump is wrong like the press conference you want mcconnell and mccarthy to do if tucker carlson and hannity
0: did it then it might And you don't think there's a chance they'll ever turn on him when they when they see their fortune no no i think there is a chance Mm -hmm. i think there is a chance that's why i'm saying that's the third
3: option Mm -hmm. they turn enough that somehow desantis beats him in a primary, okay and so but desantis might not even run he's a coward Mm -hmm. so so that's unfortunately the smallest chance but i hope i hope to god that that happens Mm -hmm. okay so then the other two options are trump goes into a general election because the base still loves him. He wins the primaries and people are always shocked. they will be floored when he wins again, right? And then he goes into a general election and either he costs them that eight and a half points and he's destroyed the Republican party and the Democrats, you know, win and and the Republicans are in absolute disarray. And finally, then Republican voters will go, well, we love the guy, but we just can't win with him, right? Um, And so, because it's not like Trump wouldn't run again Okay. No, you can't. And you don't think they reach? You
0: don't think they reach that point now? I mean, he's he's two for fourteen on his endorsements. You look at what happened in Arizona. Michigan flipped the entire state. Like, you don't think they're at that point now, where he's he's no. kryptonite? No,
3: not for most of them. Nope. And uh, and so it, for s- smart folks who pay attention to the news, that eight and a half points that I talked about in Georgia is everything, and they get it. Right, uh, but that's not a lot of Republicans. So that's the seven percent. Maybe now it's up to like I said, eleven percent of Republicans. But but it ain't much higher than that. Mm-hmm. So the third option is uh, the Biden is very weak, very unfavorable, and so I people hate it when I say that. But burying facts and reality isn't going to help you. It's only going to lead you into making wrong decisions. Uh, Biden's sitting at about a. He's in the thirties. That is very unpopular. I kept saying during the primaries, probably to drove people like you crazy, Andy. But Hillary was very unpopular. Uh, on the n- uh, night of the twenty sixteen election, Donald Trump was the most unpopular person who had ever run for president, mm-hmm. and Hillary Clinton was the third most unpopular person who'd ever run. But here's for the
0: president. thing that 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 just sort of defies that conventional wisdom. And yes, you are one hundred percent right about his numbers. Yet. Despite those numbers, that man has been nothing but hugely successful, has beaten the Republicans in almost every single critical race that he needed to beat them in. It's almost like there's this huge disconnect between that number and his ability to be not just the most productive first two-year president in terms of legislation in the most toxic, divided landscape, but also with the outcome of the midterm elections. So there's just some craziness going on. There's no correlation between because usually when you say those numbers, you would be like, and therefore that's why he can't get shit done, and blah blah blah, and he's he's losing losing these critical special elections, and that's why his number is in the tank. But his number's in the tank. But look at the performance. It's just it's something off. In my opinion. Well, Andy, th- there's there's two things that are
3: off. So number one, uh, Biden and the Democrats are terrible at messaging. So i give you a, a spectacular example of it. You know why inflation is high? Because the economy is red hot. Yeah, It's too hot. Mm-hmm. It's too. So uh, unemployment is at near zero. Right. So how often did Biden do press conferences going? I'm the best. Mm-hmm. The economy is the greatest it's ever been. It's so good. We're worried that it's too good. Right. Everybody has a job, but you're welcome.
0: Yeah, well, you can't do that because the handlers are telling him then you're going to piss off the people who are paying more for eggs. You're insensitive. You're out of touch.
3: No, no, no. See, Democrats drive me nuts, (laughs) drive me nuts. Give me one candidate who understands politics and will destroy the Republican Party. Okay, so look. Who cares about the downside? It's marketing. Politics is all about marketing. I get it. I'm with you. So you have to go out there and tell them how great you are. Of course. And in this case, the economy was red hot. It is red hot, right? And then when they talk about, oh, yeah, what about inflation? Look, that's the price for a super hot economy, but we're handling that too. And we're going to handle that just as well as we handled unemployment.
0: You're talking – I mean, see, this – I'll bring the messaging thing down to a nutshell, in my opinion. You're talking about Democrats being afraid – to speak the truth. And we are constantly battling a party that to get to its end, the means includes absolute lying. They have no problem lying. We have a problem telling the truth. And until that changes, it's like bringing a a feather to a a gunfight. I mean, you know, I would be out there, we, we were joking in here a few months ago, saying like, you know, what should Democrats do? You know what, Gen Z, if you go vote, You'll get a free bag of pot. There'll be a free bag of pot waiting for you at the at the, at the polling place. That's what Republicans would do. they just fucking lie. They would make up lies like they do all the time. Democrats got to get off that thing of like, we're better than that. We don't lie. We speak the truth, whatever, because then they're getting. But, but, Stuart, Smith, uh, Stuart, uh, uh, Stuart, what's Stevens. Stevens? I'm sorry. Thank you. Uh, Stuart Stevens was on the pod of, a few weeks ago, and he said, you know, Whenever we talk about Democrats' messaging, we got to look at the fact that they just keep winning. They win. So maybe the messaging mm. is the right messaging. I mean, it's something to think about. Yeah. So
3: look, um, I think that the Democrats are winning because uh, Trump is so radical, so insane, that he's lost that critical eight and a half in the middle. Okay. And, uh, and it's covering up for Democratic weakness. Mm-hmm. and it's giving democrats overconfidence um and so if they're this overconfident especially if it's not trump they're going to get slaughtered in 2024. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's fair look the second part i didn't get to andy this mm-hmm. is so they're bad at messaging and by the way there's a reason for that so the reason is that um it's the this is a very long story but i'll make it as short as possible it's the donor class um they control almost all of politics and Every study has shown this. Princeton and Northwestern did this meta study where they looked at over 2,000 pieces of policy. The American people have absolutely zero impact on policy, zero. But the donor class uh, can—it's not 100 percent, but they 45 percent of the time they can get anything they want passed. Okay, so they could—we—it's zero versus 45 percent. And um, and so what what does the donor class want? They want really strong right-wing party to push for tax cuts and deregulation, and they want a really weak Democratic Party to go, oh, golly gee, we can't do, oh, well, when there was nothing we could do, they did it again. And Biden is actually a perfect example of that, because when it was Obama and Biden, Biden negotiated with McConnell on extending the Bush tax cuts. The Bush tax cuts were larger than the Trump tax cuts, but Bush could not make them permanent. He didn't have enough uh, leverage to do that. Biden made a deal with McConnell that was so bad that even other conservative Democrats were enraged by it. Michael Bennett's never been enraged by anything in his life. And he was so enraged by that he wrote a whole book about how crappy that deal was. Biden made 94% of the tax cuts for the rich that Bush did permanent. Okay. So that's exactly the kind of Democrat that donors love. Behind the scenes, while you're pretending to be a good guy, make sure you give me all the loot. So that goes to point number two, which is that it's not just messaging. You say Biden got all these things done. Did he? So those things, yes, he got a bunch of things done. Give the man his due. But if you notice, there is a pattern to what he got done and what he didn't get done. Almost everything he got done funnels the money to corporations first. And then if you're lucky, it trickles down on you. So the semiconductor bill, that's $50 billion gift. To the semiconductor industry it might be necessary but where does the money go it gets shoveled in the mouths of the corporate donors first etc now what didn't he get done he didn't get voting rights done they told us that was the bare minimum and now people have forgotten and he didn't get 15 dollars minimum wage done they told us that was the bare minimum i and so when you look at the entirety of his agenda he got about 15 percent of it done which honestly i think is more than obama got done but but 85% is sitting there totally undone and people have forgotten about it, except the voters don't really forget because it's in their
0: bones. You're, you're a good progressive, and I give you credit for that. You you are speaking what's important to you. The reality is, whether it's gun reform or same-sex marriage or the semiconductor chips, uh, the American Relief Act, infrastructure, in this landscape with this Republican opposition, it, it's miraculous the amount that has gotten done that does not detract from what hasn't gotten done and i give you that but i do think um uh it is important to recognize um that what he ran on basically and look i i was not you know i mean this is not gonna make you happy but like i was always a hillary supporter not a biden supporter and um so uh but i I do think he ran on being able to legislate and govern and unite and he's despite the odds been able to do that in large part i mean under trump we had infrastructure week every fucking week right like the man got it done but um it's not it's not perfect and and it's like you said before about you know something is better than nothing i mean that's it's like when you vote the lesser of two evils like there's a lot that we need to get done in this country. And I support a lot of progressive uh, uh, initiatives. I'm sort of in the middle with a lot of stuff. But I do appreciate when we have a climate like we have, that we have been able to. But it also points to the messaging issue you brought up, which is that's what makes it insane to me, is that how, how is that message why are some people talking about how he's the most... But why isn't he talking about it? Why aren't the Democrats hammering that over and over? Why are we giving Republicans the the uh, the ability to shape that narrative and, and and control the conversation? But at the same time, you look at the midterms, which were supposed to be a bloodbath and it wasn't. And we, we picked up seats, a seat in the Senate. You know, it's just a... I've said this a million times. I've tweeted this a million times before the election. Conventional wisdom in the last seven years has been utterly defied on every single thing. And so the conventional wisdom that ties together messaging and approval rating and accomplishments and all that, it's just it just seems like nothing works traditionally anymore. And that's what's yeah, making if you're a political consultant trying to guide a candidate, what do you work with if like everything you've learned if like from the old days, nothing nothing makes sense anymore.
3: Yeah, the reality is that it does make sense. You just have to get past the conventional wisdom. The conventional myth, uh, wisdom is myth-making. That's why it never makes any sense. Mm-hmm. That's why it's, it doesn't connect. So I'll give just real simple. Uh, two, one essential myth in our politics is that we're a center-right country. The polling indicates that's the biggest lie of all. Mm-hmm. In reality, two-thirds of the country is significantly left-wing. Correct. Okay? So... All you need to do is give those that two-thirds a strong leader mm-hmm. and the Republican Party will cease to exist. And so that sounds like, oh, that can't be true. Watch. Give me one strong populist progressive candidate and we will we'll rout the establishment, we'll rout the Republicans, absolutely pulverize the Republicans, and the country will love it. You just have to get past the conventional wisdom that the Democratic candidate has to be right wing. No, you idiots. He has to be left wing. He has to be left wing. The country is massively left. Look at the polls. but Every but you have poll. to you sort
0: of have to break down those numbers. You, you could you can go into a lot of Republican households and they will be part of that two-thirds who says gay people should marry whoever they want. We should be able to have an abortion. I don't think it's as clear cut as saying two thirds are this, that, and the other. therefore, A left-wing candidate can win. I look at it a little differently. Joe Biden was that guy in 2020 who was able to look at the the other side and say, "Vote for me, and I'll set you free." And that's what happened. You know, he was able. He was the perfect guy at the right time. He may not have been the perfect guy the day he stepped into office, and some people clearly are disappointed. But that's the candidate to me. Like. He is a centrist, but he didn't run over, overtly as a centrist. He ran as a uniter. And I think that message is what really appealed to people. And I think that's what we kind of got to get back to, is that uh, we're one America. I tell you,
3: Yeah. You think Andy, I'm crazy, don't you? you? I love you, brother, <laughs> but I think you're wrong. Okay. I think that, that, I think that uniter stuff, it works for the upper class. Mm-hmm. The upper class wants uh, the country to be united and calm and and things to be stable because they because the status quo is not so bad but, but isn't uh,
0: that when you get shit done
3: yeah no not really no you get it done uh, after a depression when you have a strong populist progressive in
0: office mm-hmm.
3: and he steamrolls the other side and actually gets it done mm-hmm. and so we need a steamroller and by name nobody's steamroller so yes for the upper class and elites etc and i put myself in that class uh, it's a Kind of a hilarious thing to say, but look, I got two Ivy League degrees. Who are we kidding? I get it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I understand. You elitist. Mindset. Yeah. I'm I, in a sense, I'm part of the elites. Right. Mm-hmm. I know, I know folks, you know, who own companies and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Right. So I get it. I, I've lived both, I've lived in both worlds because as a struggling talk show host, I was poor for 15 years, starving, making less than 24,000. I've lived it all. OK, and I can tell you that the rest of the country does not think like the upper class. Mm-hmm. They don't want the status quo. They don't want stability. What they want is someone to come in here and to shake up the system. The best uh, political slogan I saw was in 2016. I saw a bumper sticker that said like it looked like Hillary or Trump, but it didn't have their names. It just said Meteor 2016. Right. And they asked for a meteor and they got a meteor. Yeah. And what happened? OK. And it was a disaster. My point, though, Andy, is you've got to give them a meteor from the left, not from the right. The right wing are fascists. That destroys a country when you go populist right. But they're going to go populist, Andy. They're going to go populist. You have to give them a populist left wing option. No, I agree with you. And it's left funny. Wing is FDR. I'll end on this. Claire McCaskill ran in 2018 in Missouri. She was an incumbent, had the, all the uh, advantages of an incumbent. She had more money. Uh, and she had a winning issue, good news. Minimum wage was on the ballot and minimum wage in Missouri won with 68% of the vote. In red Missouri, mm-hmm. 68% of the vote. But Claire McCaskill completely owned by her donors refused to run on that populist message.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: She lost by six points. See that right there is a the perfect snapshot of the Democratic Party. They have issues that are so good that they would win two thirds of the vote. And every minimum wage increase ballot measure has won by two thirds mm-hmm. in Arkansas, Missouri, and Florida, et cetera. But they refuse to run on it because they have the shackles of their donors saying, don't you dare be populist. Mm-hmm. You give me a populist on the left, and I give you landslides.
0: Well, we might see that with one of your congressmen out there, Rokana, one day. I mean, he run runs for president, and, and we'll see how his popularity is. But look, I agree with you on a lot of the ma- uh, micro. I'm not sure I'm with you on the macro, but what we will end on is our second window into the soul question, and that is music. Music is a window into the soul. Give me your top five artists of all time.
3: Oh, Jesus. Okay. I'm not much of a music guy, so already my soul's in trouble. Uh, <laughs> so, and, and I have a very eclectic, uh, taste in music. So, uh, so I'll start out really strong by saying Bruce. Um, so, uh, do you hear you the know. Stern interview? Oh no, I've still got to watch that. Oh, I, I, I watch heard it. that it it's was amazing. amazing.
2: Okay.
0: So yeah. And guys.
3: I, yeah, and I partly grew up in Freehold and he grew up on Randolph street and I grew up on Randolph road in, wow. in the same town. Okay. So and all of his songs are so populist. Mm-hmm. I love it for mm-hmm. it. So Bruce is easy.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, when I was growing up, I loved Ron, DMC, and Public Enemy. So uh, those two, uh, are, and I, Ice Cube, honestly, uh, is super the best. solid. Ice Cube is the best. Yeah. yeah. Now, what you're saying? Well, these sound all pretty cool. What's the problem? You you're going to go Taylor
0: Swift on us, aren't you? I could see it coming.
3: <laughs> no, not Taylor Swift. But but do I have Barry Manilow on my <sighs> iTunes? I do.
0: You're getting big <laughs> raves in the room here, yeah, Barry. People love Barry. I got Neil
3: Diamond, I got Barbara Streisand. All right, I got, uh, I'm with you on that. Uh, but I also have, um, uh, you know, you remember uh, uh, Rock Me Amadeus, yes, and uh, Obsession. All these '80s yeah. songs, one-hit that wonders, were just pop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, yeah, I love that.
0: That is eclectic. And on that, we will end on that note. Jenk, uh, you've been amazing. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, thank you for coming on and I hope we'll do it again.
3: Thank you, Andy. Loved it.
0: So there you have it. Episode 28, In the Can. We'd love to hear your thoughts. So leave us a message at 845-307-7446. Email us at backroomandy at gmail.com or tweet to me at Andy Ostroy. And please leave a review if you like the podcast. They are important. I want to thank my co-producer, engineer and editor, Maddie Rosenberg, associate producer, Jen Hamoud, Cricket Langale for our artwork, Andy Hollander for our kick-ass music, Patricia Wind and the Epicurean for the Backroom Studio, and a big thank you again to our guest, Jenk Ugar. So keep your eyes on Washington, Hollywood, and your own backyards, and we hope you'll join us again next time. Have a great week.